Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Mr. Classic Wrestling Podcast. And today we have our first episode of Thursday Night Survive the Slam, where I'm going to give you guys reviews on SummerSlam and Survivor Series. Uh, the review I'm going to give you guys today is SummerSlam 1988. Uh, starting off the evening, we go to our first match of the night. It is the Fabulous Roju Brothers versus British Bulldogs. Uh, starting off the match, uh, Davy Boy attacks Jock. Davy then slam, uh, slamming Jock headfirst into the turnbuckle. Uh, Ray then takes a, ch- a cheap shot on Davy. Davy then gets up, hits an arm drag on Ray. Dynamite then hits a shoulder tackle on Ray. Dynamite then hits a clothesline on Ray. Jock then trips Davy. Ray, uh, Ray Rougeau hits a backdrop on Davy. Davy then hits a roll up on Jock. Dynamite then hits a snap suplex on Ray. Davy then hits a power slam on Ray. Jock then gets up, drops an elbow on Dynamite. Rozier Brothers are showing great tag team work in the match. Jock then applies an abdominal stretch on Dynamite. Jock then applies a chin lock on Dynamite in the middle of the ring. Dynamite then hits a roll-up on Jock. Davey then hits a press slam, sends Jock onto the ropes or into the ropes. Davey then hits a press slam on Dynamite. Dynamite then hits a headbutt on Jock. Time limit is expired, and the match is ended by a draw. Um, this was a really good match. It was back and forth. Big fan of the uh, British Bulldogs, Dynamite Kid, and Davey Boy Smith. Uh, this was a really good match. The only thing I would take away from this match that I hated was that it was a time limit draw. I wish it was a clean finish because it was a really good match back and forth. So hats off to the British Bulldogs and the Rosier Brothers for giving us a phenomenal match. Um, after that match, we go into our next match of the evening. It is Bad News Brown versus Ken Patera. Uh, starting off the match, Bad News attacks Patera. Bad News then hits a scoop slam on Patera in the middle of the ring. Patera then gets up, hits a clothesline on Bad News. Patera then hits a scoop slam on Bad News. Bad News then gets up, hits a chop on Patera. Patera then hits a roll-up on Bad News. Patera then applies a bear hug on Bad News in the middle of the ring. Patera then applies a full Nelson on Bad News in the middle of the ring. Bad News breaks the hole. Bad News then hits a kick to the back on Patera's head. Pins it for the three, and your winner of the match is Bad News Brown. Again, not a bad match. The The thing that got me was that, you know, back in the day, obviously they didn't give Bad News Brown a, a, like a humongous push back in the day. Some people say he might not deserve it, but he came off as a really good heel. He really didn't. A lot of people didn't like him, but I thought he was a great wrestler. I thought he was a great heel. So hats off the bad news for getting the win here. Um, after that match, we go into our next match of the evening. It is Rick Rude versus Junkyard Dog. Uh, starting off the match, Rude quickly attacks Junkyard. Junkyard then gets up, hits a headbutt on Rude. Rude then hits a clothesline on Junkyard in the middle of the ring. Rude then drops a forearm on Junkyard. Rude then applies a headlock on Junkyard in the middle of the ring as well. Rude then hits a reverse net breaker on Junkyard Dog. Rude then hits a diving fist off the top rope on Junkyard Dog. Jake Roberts is here. Roberts attacks Rude, and Rude wins by disqualification. Again, this was a really good match. I just wish it was a clean finish, but it was cool seeing Jake the Snake Roberts comes out, you know, coming out to the ring, attacking Rick Rude. Obviously, this is setting up a storyline between Rick Rude and Jake the Snake Roberts, which I'm all for. But this was a really good match, so hats off to uh, Rude for getting the win here by disqualification. Um, after that match, though, we go into our next match of the evening. It is the Powers of Pain versus the Bolsheviks. Uh, starting off the match, Powers of Pain and, and Bolsheviks exchange in the middle of the ring. Powers of Pain then hit a clothesline on Zokov. Warlord hits a gut wrench suplex on Zokov in the middle of the ring. Bolsheviks Bush, are teaming up on Warlord. Zokov then applies a headlock on Warlord. Nikolai then hits a spin kick on Warlord in the middle of the ring. Barbarian then hits a devastating scoop slam on Nikolai. Warlord and Barbarian hit a flying shoulder tackle on Zokov. Warlord then hits a scoop, uh, another scoop slam on Zokov. Barbarian then hits a diving headbutt off the top rope on Zokov. Pins him for the three, and your winners of the match 
or the powers of pain. Really good match. I knew a lot about the powers of pain. Phenomenal, phenomenal tag team. Warlord and Barbarian just were like, they, those guys were units, man. Those guys were massive. And, you know, a lot of people say like, well, they kind of copied the style of the style of the road warriors and possibly, but they were no road warriors. They were no animal. They were no Hawk, but again, really good tag team and a really good match. So hats off to Barbarian and Warlord for getting the win here. After that match, we're going to our next match of the evening. Again, this match is kind of synonymous with WWF back in the day. It is Honky Tonk Man versus Ultimate Warrior for the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, starting off the match, Warrior quickly attacks Honky Tonk Man. Warrior then hits a scoop slam on Honky Tonk in the middle of the ring. Warrior then hits a flying shoulder tackle on Honky Tonk. Warrior then hits a signature splash on Honky Tonk and pins over the three. And your winners of the winner of the match and new at that time, WWF Intercontinental Champion, is the Ultimate Warrior. Again, this match was really synonymous because, and the reason why I say that is because at the time, Honky Tonk Man was, you know, the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion of all time at this point. He's held the belt for a long time. Nobody can beat Honky Tonk Man. And then Ultimate Warrior came out and just had a glorified squash match against Honky Tonk Man, which was absolutely hilarious and fantastic stuff. And you know what? To be honest, Ultimate Warrior should have had that belt a long time ago. You know, and just builds up a storyline leading up to, you know, Hogan versus Warrior at WrestleMania, I believe, which was a fantastic match. Um, but this, again, it was a glorified squash match, but it was really, really good. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy about the ending. Ultimate Warrior should have got the win, and he did get the win. So hats off to Ultimate Warrior for getting the win, and at, at that time, uh, getting the WWF Intercontinental Championship. Um, after that match, we go into our next match of the evening. It is Don Morocco versus Dino Bravo. Uh, starting off the match, Morocco hits a shoulder tackle on Dino. Morocco then hits a scoop slam on Dino in the middle of the ring. Morocco then hits a hip lock on Dino. Dino then gets out of that, hits an inverted atomic drop on Morocco. Dino then hits an elbow drop on Morocco in the middle of the ring as well. Morocco then gets up, hits a neck breaker on Dino. And then Morocco hits a backdrop on Dino as well. Dino then hits a sidewalk slam on Morocco, pins it for the three, and your winner of the match is Dino Bravo. Again, really good match. Don Morocco, if you guys do remember Don Morocco, you may, you may not. Um, fantastic wrestler, man. The guy was, again, a unit. Very strong guy, very big guy. And uh, he knows how to, you know, work that ring. Dino Bravo, if you guys don't know who Dino Bravo is, he made a big name for himself in Canada. Um, you know, I know we had like that, uh, weightlifting, uh, segment that he had with, I believe it was Jesse, the body Ventura back in the day. Uh, fantastic wrestler, man. He was a big time wrestler in Canada. Um, fantastic stuff. So hats off to Dino for getting the win here. And what I thought was a really good match. Um, after that match though, we go into our next match of the evening. It is the Hart foundation versus demolition for the WWF tag team championships. <laughs> uh, starting off the match though. Axe pushes Bret Hart. Axe then hits a scoop slam on Hart in the middle of the ring. Hart then gets up, hits a roll-up on Axe. Hart then hits an arm drag on Smash. Nightheart hits a shoulder tackle on Smash as well. Hart hits a devastating drop kick on Smash. Smash then gets up, hits a shoulder breaker on Hart. Smash then throws Hart right into the ring post on the outside. Hart then hits a clothesline on Axe. Nightheart hits a drop kick on Smash. Nightheart then hits a clothesline on Smash, sending Smash to the outside. Nightheart then hits a slingshot tope on Smash. Nightheart then hits a power slam on Smash, pins over the two. Hart then hits a backbreaker on Smash. Nightheart then hits Fuji. Axe then hits a uh, Hart with a megaphone. Pins it for the three, and your winners of the match, and still at that time, WWF Tag Team Champions, Demolition. Again, really good match. Um, obviously, you guys know who the Hart Foundation are. You know, Brett, 
Jim the Anvil, Nyhart, British Bulldog. You can even put Owen Hart in there too. <clears throat> Fantastic team. Fantastic tag team. Um, and they were pretty synonymous with WWF back in the day. They were a phenomenal tag team. Demolition, again, at the time, they were the longest rated, you know, tag team champions of all time. Demolition, Axe, and Smash were phenomenal, man. Great tag team. Just, you know, they're in there to kick your ass, man. And, again, hats off to Demolition for getting a win here and what I thought was a great, phenomenal tag team match. After that match, though, we go into our next match of the evening. It is Coco Beware versus Big Boss Man. Uh, starting off the match, Boss Man quickly attacks Coco. Coco then gets up, hits a drop kick on Boss Man. And by the way, Coco Beware's drop kick, poetry in motion, man. Absolutely phenomenal. Boss Man then hits a splash on Coco in the corner. Boss Man then hits a clothesline on Coco in the middle of the ring. Boss Man then hits a scoop slam on Coco. Coco then gets up, hits a drop kick off the top rope on Boss Man. Coco then hits a splash off the top rope on Boss Man. Boss Man then hits a signature side slam and pins him for the three. And your winner of the match is Boss Man. Again, this was a mid-card match. I get it. Um, a lot of people at the time, you know, they were kind of back and forth on the boss, man. Some people loved him. Some people hated him. Coco Beware. I don't feel like Coco got enough credit where credit was due. Coco Beware was a really good wrestler, man. Very fast, but he was a very small guy. Uh, but he was built as if, like, you know, he was over two, you know, 205 pounds. But a phenomenal athlete, man. His drop kick, like I said, man, poetry in motion. One of the best drop kicks I've ever seen. Very good drop kick. And I, I love the gimmick, man. The bird man, I mean, he comes out with that bird and stuff, and the people love it. The people were cheering for him. The crowd was completely behind Coco Beware, but I feel like he just didn't get his rightful place in professional wrestling, in my honest opinion. Just my opinion. Um, after that match, though, we go into our next match of the evening. It is Hercules versus Jake the Snake Roberts. Uh, starting off the match, Robert hits a scoop slam on Hercules. Hercules then gets up, hits a back suplex on Roberts. Hercules then drops an elbow on Roberts in the middle of the ring. Roberts then gets up, hits a clothesline on Hercules. Hercules then hits a scoop slam on Roberts. Roberts then motions to the crowd that it's time for his signature DDT. Roberts hits the DDT on Hercules, pins it for the three, and your winner of the match is Jake the Snake Roberts. Again, big fan of Jake the Snake Roberts growing up, man. I thought, got, I thought he was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal wrestler, man. And I love the gimmick, man. I love when, you know, I love when he comes out with, you know, the snake in the bag and, you know, when he wins a match, he takes a snake out of the bag and throws it on his opponent. And everybody freaks out. I remember distinctly, if you guys remember back in the day, um, Jake the Snake Roberts was having this little issue with Andre the Giant. Now, Andre the Giant is a big, massive guy. You know, the eighth wonder of the world. Everybody knows who Andre the Giant is. And it seemed like, you know, Giant wasn't scared of nothing. But when Jake came out, I think during one of his matches and threw that snake into that ring, Giant freaked out. Uh, it was a big snake, man. It was a big snake. And uh, Giant was not having it. He was completely upset about it. Um, and that was one of the things I always took away, you know, when I was a kid watching that. Like, man, this guy, you know, he, sometimes he fights three or four guys at a time, and this snake comes into the ring, and he takes off. You know, and it's like, man, this guy is massive, and he's like – and he is running away from the snake. I just always thought that was pretty cool. But like I said, I was a big fan of Jake the Snake Roberts, man. Even now, you know, he's still in the business. I'm glad he's doing well. You know, him working with AEW and working with Lance Archer, I think it's absolutely fantastic. I think it's some of the best work he's done, you know, cutting these promos for AEW that he's done in a very long time. So that's all to Jake the Snake Roberts for getting the win here. Uh, after that match, though, we go into our main event of the evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is Ted DiBiase and Andre the Giant versus Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage. <clears throat> uh, starting off the, uh, the match, though, 
Uh, Hogan hits an atomic drop on DiBiase. Hogan then hits a clothesline on DiBiase in the middle of the ring. Hogan and Savage both drop an elbow on DiBiase. Savage then hits a knee drop on DiBiase as well. Hogan and Savage hit a big boot on DiBiase in the middle of the ring. Hogan then hits an elbow drop on DiBiase. Andre then applies a sleeper hold on Hogan in the middle of the ring. DiBiase then hits a clothesline on Hogan. DiBiase then drops a fist on Hogan in the middle of the ring. DiBiase uh, applies a sleeper hold on Hogan, but Hogan breaks the hold. Savage gets tagged in and hits a backdrop on DiBiase. Savage then uh, hits an axe handle off the top rope on DiBiase. Savage then hits a crossbody on DiBiase as well. DiBiase then gets up, hits a suplex on Randy Savage. Hogan then hits a suplex on DiBiase in the middle of the ring. Hogan then applies a sleeper hold of his own on DiBiase. Savage then hits an axe handle off on Andre off the top rope. Hogan then hits a uh, scoop slam on DiBiase. Savage then gets up, hits an elbow drop off the top rope on DiBiase. Hogan then hits his signature leg drop on DiBiase as well. Pins it for the three, and your winners of the match are Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage. Again, really good match. Really good match. And, you know, to be honest, it told a hell of a story, man. It really did because <clears throat> you guys know, just like I know if you guys watch pro wrestling, which I'm sure you do, that's the reason why you're here. That's the reason why you listen, um, which I, I do very much appreciate it. Back in the day, you guys know, you know, Hulk, uh, Hogan and Macho Man, you know, the mega powers, you know, Phenomenal tag team, man. Phenomenal tag team. And to be honest, you know, back in the day, I was all for it. You know, I, again, I wasn't a humongous fan of Hulk Hogan. Some people are. I'm not saying you're not. You know, I'm not saying anything bad about it. Hogan is Hogan. I was just a humongous fan of Randy Savage. I don't know what it was about him, but it just, you know, every time he came out to the ring, man, it was just eye-catching. You know, all the crazy outfits, you know, his persona, what he brought into the ring, his charisma. You know, it was just fantastic. His personality alone, man, it just, it hooked me in. And having them two work together at the time was phenomenal. You know, when they had the falling out, though, I feel like a lot of that had to do with Miss Elizabeth. <laughs> um, you know, I, in a way, I wasn't completely against it either. I mean, I wanted to see a match between Hogan and Savage because I thought it would blow the roof off the place. And when they had that match, I believe it was at WrestleMania. I know it was early WrestleMania, probably like WrestleMania 5, maybe WrestleMania 4, something like that. It was very – it was early. Um, it might have been WrestleMania of like 5. Uh, but don't quote me on that. But it was a fantastic match. And it was a match that was building up and building up and building up, you know, from the time that they kind of split up because of the whole Miss Elizabeth ordeal. It just seemed like, you know, I think from Randy Savage's standpoint with that whole split up was that, you know, Hogan was trying to take a spotlight from Savage. And it could have been that. You know, Hogan at that time had, like, you know, that notoriety where, like, Hogan was the man. You know, Hogan was the guy. Just like in WCW back in the day, Ric Flair was the guy. You know, and Savage was kind of, you know, coming up in the ranks and becoming that guy. And I think it kind of maybe, you know, ticked off Hogan a little bit, maybe, possibly. But they made for great matches. And a, and a rivalry between, you know, Savage and Hogan that's gone on for, you know, went on for years, all the way leading, that, taking them from WWF all the way into WCW. It was, you know, a beef between them two that lasted a long, long time. But as, as far as the tag team, I thought they were great. You know, the matches they had with Andre and DiBiase were fantastic. And people gravitated to both Hogan and Savage, no doubt. They were absolutely 100% baby faces for WWF back in the day. Absolutely. Andre and Teddy DiBiase, obviously they're heels. DiBiase's pretty much been a heel his entire career. You know, from the beginning to the end, he's always been a heel. Andre, people loved Andre. You know, I was a big fan of Andre the Giant myself, you know, because you've never seen an athlete that size, that big, doing what he was doing in that squared circle. I mean, you got to give credit where credit's due. He was the first legit big man in pro wrestling. You know, and people were scared, you know, scared to, to challenge Andre. 
I mean, I remember watching a documentary saying when, you know, when Hogan fought Andre, Hogan would get sick. You know, he would literally vomit because he was so, you know, he was petrified, man. He was scared. And I don't blame him. I mean, look at the size of Andre. Andre was a big man, very big man. And, I mean, sometimes you would see him in handicap matches back in the – I mean, he's wrestled all over the country, Japan, Canada. I mean, he made a big name for himself in Japan as well. Um, and he would always have these handicap matches or these battle royals because, they, you know, they made him what he was. You know, he was already a big person coming into pro wrestling, but they made him as, like, this indestructible force, and he was. You know, to be honest, and it was just great. You know, there's some dream matches I wouldn't mind seeing Andre have, you know, back in the day. I would have loved, and I know some people, you know, there's a couple Andre matches that I wish he would have had before, you know, he passed on. Rest in peace to Andre. But, you know, growing up as a kid and watching pro wrestling and, like, you know, you see all these bigger athletes, these bigger wrestlers. It's like, man, I would love to see a match between him and Andre. For example, Andre the Giant versus Yokozuna. I thought it would have been fantastic. Now, some people would have said, I don't know, because Yokozuna is really slow. But so was Andre. Andre wasn't a really fast wrestler, but he had power. He had strength more than most people know. And so did Yokozuna. I thought that would have been a fantastic match to have, you know, Andre versus Yokozuna. Or you can do Andre versus Vader. I mean, if I'm doing like a dream booking scenario, you know, or even watching the match between Andre, I think it was at WrestleMania 1. I think it was Andre, yeah, it was Andre the Giant versus Big John Studd in that body slam match for like 10 to 15 grand or something like that. It was great. You know, it was a fantastic match. And Andre was always looking for the bigger guys to take out because he didn't, you know, nobody, Andre didn't want no one taking over his spot as the big guy in pro wrestling. You know, and like I said, a lot of people that wrestled Andre were, you know, they were petrified, man. They were scared. But there were a lot of smaller guys compared. I mean, there's not many people in pro wrestling or even in the world that, you know, was the same height as Andre the Giant. You know, it was just some of the stuff he did was awesome. You know, Randy Savage, again, you know, a legend, absolute legend, man. I'm a humongous fan of, Macho Man Randy Savage, big fan. And um, there's sometimes I feel like he didn't get credit where credit was due sometimes too. I, I mean, to be honest, I feel like, you know, Hogan kind of took the spotlight away from him a couple times. But it made for great matches, and it made for great storylines. You know, you have that the humongous baby face, and you can possibly call Savage a heel if you wanted to. I mean, when he was working with Miss Elizabeth, some people absolutely hated it just for the way he treated Miss Elizabeth, like on camera. Like, people could not stand that. Because when you saw Miss Elizabeth, you were like, oh, my God, you know, this is a beautiful woman. And, you know, she's like the girl from next door. And then you have Randy Savage who comes off as this, you know, egotistical narcissist kind of thing where it's like, you know, he's definitely a heel. And people were like, why the hell is this girl with this guy? But it really worked out well. It really did. And to be honest, I feel like Miss Elizabeth, too, had a lot to play with Randy's career. You know, like I feel like they both kind of helped each other throughout the way, even when they got divorced and everything like that. You know, she was still working with Randy even when he got into WCW because people like it was hard to see Randy without her. It was it was even harder to see Miss Elizabeth without Randy Savage, you know, because they spent so much time together on camera, off camera. You know, they obviously they were together. They were a couple. They were married. But, you know, and even when they got married, you know, on live TV, I mean, people lost their mind. I remember seeing people cry in the audience when Miss when I think it was uh, Ultimate Warrior versus Randy Savage at a WrestleMania. And I think. uh Sherry was managing Macho at the time, and Macho lost, and Sherry was just losing her mind. You see Elizabeth looking on the crowd, you know, upset and losing her mind, and she came down to the ring and, you know, stopped Sherry from beating up Macho Man, and then, you know, Macho Man Ray Savage and Miss Elizabeth pretty much embracing the ring, and the crowd lost their mind. I'll never forget that, man. That was one of the best moments I've ever seen. It was great. It told one hell of a story. 
you know, that sometimes it's just not, not all about professional wrestling. You know, this is also affecting these people's personal lives as well. But it also made for a great story. Fantastic story. You know, but as far as I do, you know, like I do with all these events, I always give these shows a rating and a one out of ten. And you guys know by now that you listen um, to the podcast. Uh, this show, this SummerSlam here, it was not bad. It really wasn't that bad. To be 100% honest, the, I mean, the way they booked this card, it really wasn't that bad. You know, you had some mid-card matches that were okay. You know, the Coco Beware Bossman match was really, you know, it was definitely made for a mid-card match. You know, obviously it was not built for a main event, but it was a decent match, you know. So I think I'm going to have to give this like, you know, maybe a six and a half, seven. It wasn't the worst SummerSlam. You know, obviously it was the first one ever, um, which made for great SummerSlams down the line, just like the Royal Rumble. You know, even the King of the Ring, and I've said this in the past, I don't think they really knew what they had with the King of the Ring. I think the King of the Ring was one of my favorite – obviously, it was one of my favorite events of all time because it just gave that one wrestler, you know, a bigger name. And it helped out a lot of pro wrestlers back in the day. They made a big name off for themselves winning that King of the Ring. You know, Owen Hart, Brett, Stone Cold Steve Austin. I mean, Stone Cold Steve Austin pretty much made himself a humongous superstar after that promo that he cut about Jake Roberts when he won the King of the Ring. And it made him, you know, what we know him as today. You know, but back when he first got into the you know WWE, he was working with Ted DiBiase, and he was known as the Ringmaster. Thank God they changed his name because that that would not have worked till this day. It would have been it would have been laughable at this point. It was a gimmick. But all in all, it was this was not a bad event. I had to give it a six and a half. I just feel like some of the matches were a little bit lackadaisical. You know, the draw match between the Rojo brothers and the British Bulldogs. I just wish it was a clean finish. I really do. Because I'm a big fan of Davey Boy Smith and Dynamite Kid, man. I thought they were a phenomenal tag team. They would come out with the Bulldog to the ring. It was just good stuff, man. It was quality television and quality matches. I just wish it was a clean finish. But I had to give it a six and a half. But uh, this is my review of SummerSlam 1988. I hope you guys are out there staying safe. Be careful. And remember, stay classic. Peace.